Welcome to Culture Factor. I'm your host, Holly Shannon. Our new season looks at creators, innovators, and entrepreneurs. Why? Because the gig economy is emerging. Talent has gone to work for themselves. Whether furloughed or part of the great resignation, they've birthed the big idea, and those 57 million Americans are contributing more than $1 trillion to the U.S. economy annually. This is what the new normal looks like. You now have a front row seat to creator culture and into the places where the magic is being made. Subscribe now to Culture Factor so your ears are treated to some of the best stories around the world. And if you take the time to rate, review, and share this, please send me the screenshot and I'll give you a shout out on my show. Please reach out if you'd like to sponsor Culture Factor. It is your opportunity to be a part of a show that is ranked in the top 2% globally and heard in over 77 countries. Email holly at hollyshannon.com to be a part of this global audience. Hello, Anna Vaccino, and welcome to Culture Factor 2.0. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. I'm really excited to have you on because we've shared many rooms together in Clubhouse. But before we get started, I want to share with everybody a little bit about you. Um, I'm, I'm going to read what I've okay. learned about you. Um, but if you want to change it in any way afterwards oh. for the listening pleasure of, yeah. of Culture Factor Ch- 2.0, you can. Internet. I'm, I'm going to change the internet. If I don't <laughs> like what I hear, I, I, I'm going to correct yeah, it. Like if I change something on you, right? Yeah. So here we go, everybody. Anna Vocino is a voiceover talent and stand-up comic who also happens to be a celiac who writes cookbooks. She co-hosts the Fitness Confidential podcast with Vinny Tortorich. She has voiced hundreds of commercials, cartoons, movies, promos, radio stations, video games, and has a super cool day job to support her passion of food blogging and cookbook authoring. Her best-selling cookbooks, Eat Happy and Eat Happy 2, have over 320 easy-to-make, low-carb recipes that are all delicious comfort food, free from sugars and grains. She has also launched Eat Happy Kitchen with three flavors of organic, non-GMO, no-sugar-added tomato sauce. Anna lives in Santa Ynez with her husband, her teenage daughter, and her tiny dog. So, hi, Anna. Hi. I'll stand by all of that, except for the teenage daughter. She's now 22 and lives in New York. She's Wow. She's her own life. You know what I'm saying? You know, it's (laughs) really... starting in the world. It's nice when you get to the point where they can launch themselves, right? Then you know you've done well. I always tell fellow parents in, in that stage of life, if it hurts to say goodbye a lot... That means you're doing it well. That means it's supposed to hurt because they're supposed to go away and go start their lives. That means that you've created an independent, self-sufficient human that's going to go be the next generation. And it hurts. It hurts. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that you say that because my son just turned 20. and right in the same pocket. Yep. Yeah. And it was the first birthday that we actually spent apart from each other, but he had, oh, yeah. he had so much fun. And, and, uh, so this is all a parent can hope for. And, yeah. and honestly, everything that I have personally learned in life that was truly worth knowing came from raising him. So I Absolutely. think, I think it's all good for everybody. It's just hard. Absolutely. Yeah, but we're off topic already. But hey, know. you know, that's that, what I do. I kind of expected that with you. Tangent so, lady. <laughs> I, so I really didn't script this one out, you know, as, uh, as a podcast host, uh, we usually teach people that uh, it's, it's really good to do your research, to try and put together some sort of topic or rough sketch that will give you a, a proper beginning, middle, and end. Um, but some people just have a talent for being able to go off topic and circle back around, and Anna's one of those people. So I felt pretty comfortable not having a script. Good. So here I am, no script hey. in my hand. I, no, I love it. I think it's great. I think the, the art of conversation, to me, those tend to be my favorite podcasts. Like, yeah, we're going to get to it. But we're mm-hmm. also going to talk about some other things along the way, because then you, then I find, too, like if you're interviewed a lot or you do a lot of interviews, you don't want to ask and talk about the same things that that person's been on with other stuff. I want to connect, 
with Holly on what Holly and I connect on as well as get some information out there, you know? Yes. So talk about you in the third person. There you go. So what I really want to say about Anna, because I don't know all the sides of her. I I know that she is a stand-up comic, which she brings a lot of comedy to, to the clubhouse stage when we're together. Um, and as and a voiceover talent, but I think what I want to get to the core of is that Anna is a builder. She is a creator. She um, has innovated her way around her celiac issues and created a little empire out of that. So at the bottom of it all, you are an entrepreneur. You are you were immersed in the freelance economy long before it became sexy, <laughs> right? And and something that people actually aspire to now to leave the nine to five. Right. So um now that I've sort of laid the groundwork for that, ha- have you always been that person? Has that always been you or were you a nine to five or prior? You know, it's funny, I think I feel like when you get to our age. Um, when you, but when you get to a certain age, you kind of can look back at the different threads in your life and you can kind of see the different themes that you've been working on in this lifetime, shall we say. Mm-hmm. And that is a definite theme that I've, I've strung together in the sense that, for example, when I graduated college, which by the way, I was very like, I'm going to go the traditional route. I knew that I always wanted to be an actor, but I didn't care uh, in the sense that like I wanted to also please my parents and make sure that I got the traditional degree, majored in history and French, was going to apply to law school, took the LSATs, all that stuff. And I don't think it's any accident (laughs) that I got in the middle of taking my LSATs. I got a huge upset stomach and was like, I can't do this. Like I just hated it. Wow. And, uh, and so from, and from then on, there's a number of behavioral patterns for example, I got I worked at selling children's clothes at Neiman Marcus in Atlanta when I graduated college as my day job. And I don't think I worked an entire work week. I think I called out sick one to two days a week <laughs> for a, the year and a half that I worked there. And to me, that's very telling of like where your priorities are. And now when somebody comes to work for me and if they're not present, like I know exactly the game, like you're not happy if you're, you know what I mean? You need to go do this or you need to manage your things. And, and uh, so I was that person who wasn't going to be satisfied with standing on my feet all day doing retail or doing office work or doing like working for somebody else. I really started to shine. First of all, in the entertainment industry, it takes a while to start getting jobs. And we moved to LA. My husband was also an actor. He's now a writer. It takes a while to start getting jobs. So you have to have day jobs. So even my biggest day job path which is this whole side of my life that I completely forget about conveniently. But my, uh, my aunt, I'm from Washington, DC, which is where you are. And my aunt has a firm on Capitol Hill to do a FEC compliance for members of the house Senate and PACs. Right. And she called me a week after my daughter was born and she goes, I need help in my business. And it's a great way for you to be able to go to auditions, but here's the catch. You have to learn campaign finance law. I was like, okay, like whatever it takes. And I was a political consultant for almost 10 years. And by the way, hated it, like hated it. But because I was working for my aunt who was super strict, I think that she was more strict. The nepot, you think there'd be nepotism? No, 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 no. (laughs) Aunt Diane was not having it. She was cracking the whip. She was cracking the whip. But the good thing about it was that I was able to be flexible and work from home. And so she was one of the first ones who kind of, she kind of coined this phrase, like everyone works from home. It's a pantyhose free environment because 20 years ago, women would have to still wear pantyhose to go to the office, Mm. you know? And so, you know, we, you know, working in in your jammies and getting paid pretty well to do it. So as long as we have, the moment we all got high speed internet, it was, that was it. It was over. We still FedExed a lot of documents though, which is Mm kind of crazy to think about. Did you fax? Well, we did some faxing and then I had e-fax. So I don't mean to brag, (laughs) but my e-fax number, I remember it began with 720, which was the Denver area code. And I just thought that was nuts. You could just get an e-fax number from another state. (laughs) It was crazy. That is, that is. But so, yes. So long story to answer your question, I think that I was set up to not follow the norm. It's not that I was not a hard worker, but it's funny where you see your priorities are. It's like, if I hated the job enough, I wasn't going to do a good job and I needed to be in tune with that and find something where I was motivated enough, by the way, 
money is a great motivator for me. I love money. So the fact that the political consulting paid so well motivated me to go, let's make sure we do this. And sure enough, I got offered to be a partner in that business. I got offered to come interview to be Obama's CFO when he first was running for president because his Senate campaign was one of my clients. And it, and it was one of those things where I was like, oh, I could do this and take this path, but I do not want to. And uh, instead really dove into my acting career and that then took off. That is- away this thing, I was able to focus on that thing. It's tremendous because you know, anybody, almost anybody would jump at the opportunity to have taken the position of CFO next to Obama. Yeah. Really anybody well, to would have interviewed have. for it. I don't know that yeah. I would have gotten the job because I'm not an MBA, mm. but it's such a specialized thing. Federal Election Commission reporting, knowing the campaign finance stuff. Uh, it's it's lawyers and MBAs who do that stuff at that, that high level. And it was to me, I was like, I could definitely at least go do the interview and see where it leads. But then a part of me was like, but what are you going to do? What if on the like the one half of 1% chance you get this job, the fam moves to Chicago, you're going to do, you're going to be the CFO of a presidential campaign. No, like it's just to me, it just didn't resonate. Like it's, and, and not to mention the fact that I'd probably get fired because it would be, I would be out of my league. Like I wouldn't be able to handle it. So it was kind of mm -hmm. one of those things where I was like, this doesn't resonate. I, I'm yeah, it was like it. putting on somebody else's clothes, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And, I, and I was, and I had a conversation with Betsy Myers, who was, uh, you know, in the Clinton administration and she called me and she's who Alice and Janney's character is based on in the West Wing, right? And she calls me up and we have this conversation and I was like, this woman's a badass. This, and it, it was great. And then I was like, this is not, I, I remember hiking at Runyon Canyon and going like, this is a, this is a fork in the road. Cause I've built, I've done some acting work, but it never had taken off quite, but I was doing a great job with the day job that I hated. And so it was an interesting thing. And I didn't hate it for any reason other than it just wasn't what I loved doing. It right. And, like if you, and if you, and if you shifted that energy into the direction yes. that really fed you, that excited you, uh, what could it become and look what it's become. Right. I mean, tell us, you know, share with us some of the, uh, you know, cause I glazed over saying, you know, a comic, a voiceover talent and, you know, and, and, and listed some things, but can you share with us maybe, uh, something that would be familiar to us, like a voice that you use oh, sure. for something? Yeah. And by the way, I want you to know, I've never talked about the political consulting on any other interview. So, <gasps> see what, see what I drew it. out. <laughs> um, yes. Okay. So currently I'm, uh, one of the voices for NBC. Like, so if you listen to the NBC network and you hear somebody to tell you to watch a show and it's a female voice, it's me telling can, you to watch it. Can you demonstrate? Oh, uh, America's Got Talent next Monday and Tuesday at eight, seven central on NBC like that. That is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a cool job. It's a cool job. And it is, um, <clears throat> it's a very urgent and immediate job. I don't think you can see it. Oh, the door is closed. There's a little, my office is painted very dark green, but right back there is actually a booth. So you walk in there. This is not the voiceover. I've got the fancy voiceover mic in there. I would like to jump to the food blogging and mm -hmm. the cooking show and the products that you're creating, because I'm going to assume it was born of the celiac yes. uh, problem um, as as a human who very often throughout my life has had an issue of one or the other, I suddenly become an expert. Right. <laughs> Dr. Google, <laughs> I become an oh, expert in whatever it is. We're all experts at Dr. Right. Google, aren't we? Right. But just, you know, to, to work through something. Um, but when you have celiac, it's generally more than simply going on there and, and reading, you know, these are my symptoms or this is what I do. So it becomes a life-changing event. Um, I know this just because I have friends who have gone through it. So should I assume that that is the impetus of that part of your life? Absolutely. Yes. And I've always loved to cook. I gr I didn't have some fanciful household where, you know, my grandmother was in the co kitchen cooking with me. Like that was not my experience. I w uh, my mom was a single mom. She had like five jobs. She worked her ass off and I would watch, I was only allowed to watch PBS literally as a kid. And so I would watch the frugal gourmet and Julia child and just like drool 
at all this amazing food they were making. And we didn't have that kind of money to buy that kind of food. So I would like open the fridge and see like, you know, steakums and a, a red delicious apple and American cheese slices and bologna and try to figure out how to make something. Mm -hmm. So I, I was always interested in it for sure. Again, I can see those threads now looking back, but it wasn't until I, I was in college and, and I worked for a catering company cutting a million vegetables that I kind of started to learn how food was put together. And, and at the time too, in the eighties and early nineties, like what was popular as far as like gourmet food and loved it. And I was always super thin and I was just like, life, life is grand. I'm so thin. Um, what I didn't realize is that I had all these other symptoms and I was pretty sick, but I figured, you know, when you're young, your energy kind of overcomes all that. You're like, eh, you know, bronchial issues. I'm fine. Asthma. It's great. Stomach distress. Nah, I'm fine. And, uh, I always joke that I could eat McDonald's every day and just never get sick. Not knowing that I was sick. I was definitely sick. And, mm. and it, it was back in a time too, when we didn't really like do blood work. Like now we're like a little savvy lab work is a lot more easily available. <clears throat> if somebody thinks something is wrong, they can go and get their A1C tested and get this, that, and the other thing tested. So my, one of my best friends was type one diabetic and she found out pretty late. And she told me, I'm going to stop eating gluten because I've heard that sometimes type one diabetics can develop celiac disease. And then she explained that gluten is something that activates the immune system and attacks the villi and small intestines. And, and so we talked about it at length and I was like, well, that's interesting, whatever. And then my mom over the period of about a year and a half was devolving at a rapid rate to the point where she had to check into the hospital every four to six weeks to get a blood transfusion because her body wasn't making enough blood. She always had horrible depression, skin rashes. If she bruised, she bruised like insanely crazily. Uh, but the depression was a big one with her. And um, she, I said, she was tested for everything. And I said, mom, Jenny told me about this thing called celiac. Just ask them, maybe it's that. And it was. Whoa, what are the Randomly. chances? Yeah, like throw a dart, wow. I mean, literally after being tested for everything else and she was so sick and if she would eat certain foods, she would almost have an anaphylactic, like she would just, her immune system was so heightened and like, get it out of me, get it out of me. You know what I mean? She was just like, mm. it was bad. And then she calls me and goes, it turns out it's that it's celiac. They called it celiac sprue. Turns out it's celiac sprue and it's hereditary. So you have to get tested. And at this point it's 2002 and I'm 28. And I was like, I don't have that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> okay. And I was like, well, what is it? She said, can't eat gluten. I was like, well, I don't really eat pasta and bread because I'm an actor. But, but I do remember distinctly, I had this memory of, you know, remember, Joe, I'm like, remember JoJo's. They still sell JoJo's. But at Trader Joe's, they have these JoJo's cookies, which are their Trader Joe's version of Oreos. Yes. And they come in these sleeves. And I remember sitting in the kitchen with my husband, like eating one after the other of JoJo's. I probably had like six or seven of these things. And then I remember telling my husband, you know what? It's, it would take like, a doctor telling me like, you have a disease where you can't eat cookies for me to stop eating cookies. And, boom. and literally like six weeks later, it's like you, um, this is your doctor. You have a disease where you can't eat cookies. We hate that doctor so right now. I was a little bummed, but, um, you know, I had the temper tantrum and then decided to go to whole foods and buy something delicious. And, mm -hmm. uh, cause I, I saw a gluten-free end cap at whole foods at the time. And I bought these $17 cookies. That sucked. And now $17 is a lot of money now for a bag of cookies. But back then it was like, you know, Gold. half a day's wages for cookies. Right. But I was like, I need cookies. And there weren't a lot of things on the market. And they were the worst. I literally threw them across the room. I was so pissed off. I mean, I wasn't pissed off enough to like take the, make the effort to get my money back, but I was pissed. Right, 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 right. But and it's so a pivotal like, moment where it's, it's a pivotal like you, moment. See, you see the writing on the wall. Like, I'm going to have to figure out how to bake if I'm going to want my own gluten-free cookies. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of started the gluten-free. I had glutenfreeanna.blogspot.com, which if you go to that site, it will now still lead to my website. That site's not active anymore, but it will lead Good to annapuccino.com. Uh, and so I, I just started baking and making all my favorite comfort foods gluten-free because I wanted to make them so well that people could make them at home and not feel like, uh, they're serving some nasty, you know, sandy glue puck of disgustingness with mm. sugar on it. Like I just wanted things to taste good and taste the same. And so I was blogging. And then, so 10 years later, it wasn't until I met Vinnie Tortorich and, and he had trained me and he's a nice guy. 
But then he came to me saying, you want to start a podcast? And I was like, oh, and I produced podcasts before. So I was like, no, it's a lot of work. I don't feel like doing that. <laughs> and then he said, just, will you read my book? Cause he's trying to launch a book. And, uh, and he had made a 30 year career of flying under the radar because he trained celebrities and you have, you have to be trustworthy. You can't be the one who leaks the information to the press. So he had spent all this time doing the right thing, flying under the radar. But now when he had a book coming out, he had no web presence. Interesting. And so he, he, the powers that be said in 2012, you need a podcast. That's the wave of the future. And he knew that I did that. So he was like, can we do this? And I was like, no, you have no idea how much work that's going to be. <laughs> and I was right. Yeah. <laughs> but I eventually agreed to it. Yes. And right. And how long have years you guys later, we're still doing almost 10 years. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. I keep talking on top of you. No, bad, so bad I, podcaster. I, I, will, I will blab. <laughs> It's so interesting, uh, you know, all of the steps. It was like as soon as you released the nine to five and as soon as you let go of your preconceived ideas of how you were supposed to eat or, or live, all these things kind of fell into place. Yes. And I think... I was constantly looking for role models back then. Like when Ver Gary Vaynerchuk came out with Crush It! And that was the first time I had read, he said something like, if you're a dog walker and you like making cupcakes, you can have a website that's like both. And I, cause I grew up in the era that like television actors couldn't be in films. A film actor would never do a commercial. Like it's totally changed now. Now we have influencers who are the leads in movies. Right, it's right. totally different. We have George Clooney doing ads. What? Yeah, that yeah. never would have happened. So we were told, like, pick one path, stay on the path. And so I was like, well, I know I want, I want to be a sitcom actor. That's that's what I'll do, you know. And um, and I wound up doing improv for twenty some years. Like it was a long. I did improv for a really long time. That was always kind of my outlet. And then uh, stand up for the past eight or nine years. So I. I very much didn't understand how somebody could marry two things. And sometimes I think it is still confusing, but there are more and more people who are, at first we started to make peace maybe like 10, 15 years ago with the hyphenate, like a writer, actor, director, but it's still in the same industry. Also, there were not a lot of women role models who were, let's say, titans of business, but more than one type of business. So I always am like, if I could find a way to monetize, I mean, that's the scrappy child of a single mom part of me. If I could find a way to monetize something, I'll do that. <laughs> Why not? So when Vinny and I got together, I was, I had, I was in a very bad depressive state, having a hard time with my on-camera acting career. I was on a show that was canceled and I went down into a deep depression Luckily, my voiceover career started to take off at the same time. So I was still bringing money in, but I was very, very sad and eating a lot of gluten-free baked goods and putting on weight and putting on weight and then going, oh crap, there's this extra added thing that now if I'm going to go shoot something, I got to go, I got to drop 15 to 20 pounds every time I'm going to go shoot something. All right. I'll do Weight Watchers and just starve myself. That's the Hollywood actress way. We just starve ourselves before, you know, you have to shoot something. And, or before pilot season, you just get really skinny and then you slowly through pilot season start to eat again, and put it all back on. And then you go shoot something. It's, it's a very sick uh, cycle. It's not healthy. And uh, I always felt, oh, how, how am I gonna, how am I gonna do this? How am I gonna do this? And so when I met Vinny and Vinny has NSNG, which is what he tells all of his clients, no sugars, no grains. If you cut out the sugars and you cut out the grains, that's your baseline. And I completely changed the focus of my blog from gluten-free baked goods and comfort foods to being completely sugar and grain-free. And because that's what ultimately when I started eating that way, it turned my brain chemistry around. I wish my mom could have done it before she passed away. Although I will say, I don't think I would have convinced her. <laughs> she thought it was nuts what I was doing. Uh, she was a sugar addict. She was uh, very at a, ill. At a certain age, it's hard to turn the ship around. Absolutely. I'm always, I love it when somebody's like, my 84 year old dad is doing NSNG and dropped 25 pounds and he feels great. And I'm always like, amazing. 
that is awesome. amazing. My That's my father amazing. passed from uh, Alzheimer's, which they have categorized as diabetes three at this right. point. Um, yes. And so uh, a keto diet that pushes your body into ketosis is supposed to be beneficial uh, to yes. maybe regain some of the brain agility uh, Absolutely. back. But, you know, he was... I don't know, 84 at the time or however old he was. I can't remember the age. It doesn't really matter. Um, but again, you get to a certain age where, you know, it's, you can't turn the ship around. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I do advise people on that all the time because some people have people in their lives who are willing to go and try things. And some people you're not going to be able to convince. And I was that person that I, I was not going to be able to convince my mom so that ultimately when she did, she went in for a routine heart valve replacement. So it's not like an unserious, it's definitely a serious surgery, but it's routine. And she should have woken up from it. And she never woke up, got a MRSA infection, passed away. And I'm so sorry, Anna. Oh, me too. And I'm sorry about your father. And it's, but these things are what shape us, you know, and, and being there, I'm, I'm glad I got to be there. I, uh, I'm a huge proponent of whenever you can be there, you should be there. Do not turn away from it. <laughs> be, we, we're so shielded from it. We don't want to see it or face it and really, to be able to be by her side was such a blessing. But I ordered an autopsy after the fact and boy, oh boy, had pretty much all of her organ systems been pretty broken down from her sugar addiction. It wasn't, it wasn't good. It was four pages of just not, not good. And so it kind of made me go, I'm going to, I'm going to double down on, on what I'm doing. And I completed my book, my first book in 2016, a couple years after she passed and then did another one in 2019 and then launched a food company. I'm often asked, does my business need a podcast? My answer is yes, that nothing else is the fast track into thought leadership and being established and seen as the expert in your industry as podcasting. What's increasingly evident is that it's a branding machine. It kicks doors open for you to have conversations with leaders. It creates a pathway to partnerships and connections on a deeper level. You will not be your industry's best kept secret. Your ideas and business will have global reach. So step into your power. Go to hollyshannon.com to launch your podcast now. And now back to our interview. So let's go back a second. So you launched the book yeah. and then you launched a second. I'm assuming that by the time you got to the second one, of course, there's more scientific evidence. There's more uh, recipes. There's just more knowledge because we get better every, you know, few years in, in what we learn. Is, is that the reason why you decided to do the second one or? I don't include any scientific anything in my cookbooks. I, in fact, I want to be really clear that I'm the person that you go to when you find out you want to cut out sugars and grains or do keto or low carb or NSNG or paleo or whatever you want to call it. And then I give you the recipes to do that because I am not a scientist. I have an understanding of it all. <clears throat> a I will call it a rudimentary understanding, but I don't include anything sciencey. I don't put the words weight loss. I don't put, you know, cure or medical or anything like that. Even though, and in fact, I got dinged by Amazon for saying celiac. And I'm like, but I have celiac. Like I'm allowed to say what I have <laughs> and how right, I eat right. to manage my own situation. Interesting. But um, I am sort of just a, a prolific recipe writer. And so that's why I came out with the second book because I wanted to keep it. It was my own life. When I get bored, I want to continue to write. And I have, I still have an, I have another 120 so or so recipes. I just came out with a marinara meals, PDF of recipes. Like I like writing recipes. It is a strength that I found out that I have. It used to take a lot longer. Now it takes a lot shorter. I definitely test all my recipes. I got, I got, uh, how you say cock blocked by people in the traditional publishing industry saying like, Who's going to trust you? Nobody knows who you are. You should, you should team up with a celebrity chef. One of them said, I was like, why would they do that? That just made me sad. Like you get the weirdest advice from people who that just basically want to just end the phone call, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, to me, it was really important to put out the highest quality product that I could. I multiply test my recipes. I, I multiply, that's not even a sentence. I test my recipes multiple times. I multiply. <laughs> Multiplicity. Multi multiplicity, not duplicity, multiplicity. Multiplicity. Yes. 
Recipe testing should be done multiplicitously. Multiplicitously? <laughs> yes. I test my recipes multiplicitously. Don't, don't, isn't, I want to be trustworthy. Um, this is her stand-up comic routine. I don't know. Oh, not, my God. That would be, so that would be weird. <laughs> you sounded like Glenda the Good Witch. Multiplicity of the Multiplicity. of the Marinera. Glenda is a little more mid-Atlantic. <laughs> oh God, you're Are gonna you make me cry. Or a bad witch? Oh. <laughs> Isn't that what she says? Yes. No, it's just yeah. so good. It's so good. I, I'm I'm embarrassed. I haven't gotten the sauces yet, but I, I, the only Don't reason be embarrassed. Well, it's it's interesting because when I realized that you had your sauces. It was right before I was going away on um, to a conference, to a podcasting conference, and I didn't want to have it shipped and sit outside in the 90 degree weather that I have here. So I decided to wait till I got home. So I'm guilty of not trying the multiplicitous the marineras. tested marinara. Uh, tell uh, me the flavors. I think they would say marinara. Oh, I, I tell will me, tell you the flavors. Tell me about marinara. this. Give me the sexy marinara flavors. Um, well, we have a tomato basil. That's the flagship mm. product. <laughs> we have this is more like now we're like NPR host. Um, I love the voice. The, yeah, we have the uh, pink crema, which is got, for those of you who can tolerate dairy. We have the pink crema. It's got a little Parmesan cheese, fresh from Italy. We've got a little heavy cream in there, organic. So. Um, and then uh, the third flavor, which happens to be my favorite, the puttanesca. <laughs> if you think that's a dirty word, it is. But it's a delicious sauce. It's a little savory, a little heat to it. Got a little olive, a little caper, garlic, oregano, red pepper flavor. It's delicious. Oh, my God. I'm starving. I'm done with her. I'm done with her. I no, actually, I'm actually a little turned on. I think you should keep going. Oh, good. Okay, well, maybe do the trick. Maybe people will be so turned on that they go buy, it, buy the sauce. <laughs> At eathappykitchen.com. Um, yeah. Say that again. Yeah, no, say that again. At eathappykitchen.com. But also, to be honest with you, they're all my recipes. So if you have my cookbooks, you can just make them from scratch. And in fact, it took me two years longer than it should have to start selling the sauces because I was like, doesn't everybody just make it from scratch? Because that's what I do. Boom, 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 boom. Turns out they don't. They want to buy it. So I was like, well, if I'm going to make it, I'm going to make the best. Because why would you buy it if you could just make it? You know what I'm saying? So it, it, everything to me has a level of thought behind it of, well, it's going to be the best. It's going to be the best tasting. It's going to have the best ingredients. The packaging is going to be beautiful. I don't want to like leave anything on the table that I could have controlled because if anything bombs, you have to always look and see. And that's what I've learned too from stage time. If you, if you bomb, you can't blame the audience. You can't blame the thing. You get, you got to look at you, your jokes, what what you're putting out there. To so I I kind of put that philosophy into everything that I do. Don't put out anything shitty. This is not to say that you shouldn't ship. You have to ship. You have to get it out there, and it's scary. But don't put something that you know is like eh, I could have improved that. Improve it first, and then then put it out. I don't know. That's me. Well, I think it's good advice for sure. Uh, always, always do your level best and always share yeah. the best production with the world that you can come up with. I mean, that's just, because that's by a no-brainer to me. You will still realize that you fucked something up. <laughs> You'll still be like, oh God. Well, you know, look, I, I wrote, I wrote a book and I go back through and it and there's know. a couple of things that, you know, I've learned along the way that I'm like, oh, I wish I added that to it because I feel like. Um, now it's not enough information for the reader. Like I wish sometimes I could change something or add something, you know, technology is always changing in this business, but now you write a second book though. That's, well, that's why I wrote a second book because I kept doing the recipes that I wish I'd put the first. And I was like, well, hold on, let's do another one. Go ahead. No, no, I was just saying it's, it's a thousand percent still relevant and it's not uh, wrong information. It's just, you know, uh, as we go along, 
there's new technologies that come on deck. So being able to offer people more than one choice, but you know, that's why they would hire me maybe to, to do, to do it with them. So, uh, because life changes, technology changes, and you know, you have to keep, be on the move with, with the industries we're in, with everything we're doing, right? Everything. Whether it's voiceover or podcasting or, or building a cookbook, you have to keep, that's why you have or more recipes. Trends, like what about, I remember for a while, everyone was doing those shirataki noodles or konjac noodles. Well, I don't even, I'm not even saying it right. I don't but even I, op- know. I opened, I got one. I was like, everyone's like, what about those noodles? What about those things? And I opened it and it smelled like farts. So I was like, <laughs> no, thank you. But then everyone's like, no, you're supposed to rinse them. And I was like, what? Hmm. No. <laughs> I'm not doing all that. So I was like, I could just make spaghetti squash or zucchini noodles. Why do I have to buy the thing that smells like farts? To be fair, a lot of stuff that I make is with cauliflower and cauliflower does also smell like farts when you cook it. So. All right. I'm not a cauliflower fan. I need to put that out there to the world. Yeah. Me and cauliflower, you know, I people like a deep frying, put like buffalo flavor on Mm -hmm. it. Like you're having buffalo wings and they rice it and they add it to things. I just cannot seem to be sold on cauliflower. I think the reason why it doesn't work for some people, the feedback I get, if I could like crawl through someone's uh, computer and then jump into their kitchen and help would be if you're going to do the cauliflower tots, the gnocchi, the pizza crust, the mash, is that you have to um, cook the cauliflower and press the water out of it, like, like, and then press it for 10 more minutes than you think you should. It's labor intensive. Wow. And so that's why a lot of people are like, I don't get it. It fell apart. It's a, and by the way, if it falls apart, then whatever it is, you can turn it into a hash. That's fine. But <laughs> that's generally what happens if they said my pizza crust turned it's it's the liquid because it's it's a vegetable it has a ton of water in it so if you're going to use it as a binder you have to take thing out that makes it stop binding interesting see i learned something new but desiccated cauliflower doesn't that sound delicious it's so yummy i I just can't Mm. as sexy as your voice could be right now saying that say can i interest you in some desiccated cauliflower (laughs) absolutely Mm. not like until you put a ton of cheese in it, then it's delicious. <laughs> yeah. No, it doesn't sound appealing. Somebody sent me a meme that says, uh, if pizza, if cauliflower can become pizza, you, my friend, can become anything. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a good t-shirt for you. Yeah. I'm going to steal it. I think you should. I give you permission. <laughs> I'm going to steal it. I'm burgling it. Yeah, I think you need to do that ASAP. I think there mm-hmm. needs to be... The front has your eat happy kitchen and the back is that for (laughs) sure. This is awesome. What else, what else am I not asking you about being a creator and innovator in the food space and having your sexy voice as well as your NBC voice and what do we not know about you? Anything I'm missing? Well, I, uh, no, I mean, I'm coming out with a line of uh, three different spice mixes, and then we're going to start with dressings. My, my thing is with creating the food brand was finding a sort of a dearth in the marketplace. Like I couldn't find at the time. Now there are more people doing it. But at the time, if I were to get a jarred tomato sauce from the store, it would either have kind of crappy ingredients in it uh, or they add sugar to it. And to me, I was like, but why? Tomatoes are so delightfully, naturally sugary. You know, when you cook down tomatoes, they get that night, they have a sweetness to them. And I think it was just that, that whole big food thing of they're, they're, they're given what the Americans want, which is we want our stuff doctored up with extra fat and sugar. And by the way, I hate even saying the word fat because I think fat has been dietary fat has been demonized. And by you were talking about earlier too, about new study, new science, new research. When Vinny and I started this, we knew about Atkins because I had done, I had done Atkins in the nineties and, and had was, I wound up eating sugar-free jello in the parking lot of a Publix, like could try to get a sugar fix. Cause I was such a sugar addict. And people would do Atkins and then they would go off of Atkins and then gain stuff back. And 
if you talked about keto, people would think you're talking about ketoacidosis, which is a deadly condition for type one diabetics, not dietary ketosis. And so it was, there was a lot of misinformation. And now obviously it's having a huge moment and people are, there's a lot of awareness, but then comes coming along with that is a lot of misinformation, which is when I get into the clubhouses and I'm like, Oh no, what are you saying? Don't say that. Um, so I kind of always wanted to be a voice of reason with food and with recipes. And I come from doing every diet known to man and it was a sickness, you know, and it still is. And I just feel like we have this thing where like, okay, I'll restrict for two to four weeks until the thing comes up and then I'll just binge. And it's very, it's crazy making. And now I can see why people are rebelling. I can see why people are, are saying, screw that. I'm just going to be how I'm going to be. And I'm going to eat whatever I want. And you can't tell me what to do because it's, it's just like the pendulum is swinging the opposite direction. And so I always wanted to be a voice of reason within that saying like, Let's, the hardest part is the first week of getting off the, the processed food train, right? After that, you're just eating real food and it starts to become second nature. But yes, there's going to be a moment of uncomfortability, probably several. And when people are ready to do that, I'm here, here are the books. And I can't tell you, I've helped hundreds of thousands of people break that cycle. That being said, 100% of them eat sugar and grains again at some point in their lives, because we're human and we live lives. We're going to have a birthday cake. We're going to have Christmas dinner. We're going to have latkes at Hanukkah. We're going to have a Thanksgiving, which by the way, I have a, a completely NSNG Thanksgiving, always up for free on my website. Every side dish made without sugars and grains, the uh, turkey, the gravy, low carb gravy. I have it all up there for free because that is the big sticking point when people are, uh, it's when they get into the holidays. And what I'm trying to prevent is somebody starting on uh, October 31st, stealing their kids Reese's to the binge that goes all the way to the Super Bowl at the end of January. Exactly. Exactly. And, like, they won't even start January 1st anymore or January 5th or whatever the Monday is, you know, after New mm -hmm. Year's, it will go all the way to Super Bowl. And then if you're from New Orleans, it goes all the way to Mardi Gras. And so it's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying it's, to like it's funny that you say that because I read a statistic, uh, do not quote me world. Cause you know, I don't even remember where I got it from, but that the average American gains something like 14 pounds between Thanksgiving and yeah. new year's. I believe it. And I, I read something that said the weight gain during COVID for people who did weight gain weight, the average was 29 pounds. And so it's like, you know, we have, and here, here's the thing. We all want to be the best versions of ourselves, no matter what that looks like. We all have genetic differences that it's going to look completely different from human to human. We all have that person in our lives who's part of that 30 to 40% of people who can eat whatever they want and they'll always just be whatever size they are. And it's infuriating, but that's not you. You got to do you whatever's going on with you. And I, and I'm very open about what I've gone through with celiac. And now I don't tolerate dairy either. So that's and eggs. So even though I write recipes with that stuff in it, I don't tolerate. And if I'm tasting it, I know that I'm setting myself up for a week or two of inflammation. <clears throat> so I'm on a journey. I'm very open about it. If people tell me, Hey, I can't, I would love to support your sauces, but I can't tolerate nightshades. I'm like, no problem. There's a million other things you can eat. It's okay. Dairy seems to be very common, especially with women. They come to me a lot like, um, I did NSNG for a while and I plateaued. And then I realized that I'm eating nonstop cheese. And now my inflammation markers came back really high. And then I gave up dairy for 30 days and all of a sudden, whoosh, dropped seven pounds in a month, like crazy. And, uh, so that's an interesting one that people are coming. And I'm like, I know girl, I lived it. Mm. <laughs> I lived it. It's interesting. I know what that's about. So. It's interesting how I see that wave with a lot of people actually that, um, you know, they take out one thing and then something else shows itself. And I wonder if it's changes in, you know, agriculture production and distribution and not so much the constructs of any of those products because... <sighs> I hear that time and again, and I'm like, well, you know, the foods haven't really changed any, and you're just seeing this like a flood of people that go from 
no gluten to no dairy to no, you know what I mean? Like it's yep, no nuts and then it's no eggs. Yeah. And, and it just makes that me microbiome wonder. is very, again, I don't, I mean, I can't get sciencey with it, but the, the, I know that the gut microbiome has a lot to do with it. I know that stress has a lot to do with it. I know that lack of sleep, you know, we're all running around little stress balls, not sleeping, you know, and I, I love caffeine and coffee, but you know, people are drinking it late into the day and not sleep, taking care of their sleep cycle, you know, things like that are happening and it's, it's all interwoven and it might not actually be the food. And in fact, a lot of people, for example, with eggs and with dairy or with nightshades, a lot of folks I've talked to have been able to do an elimination diet and then slowly add stuff back in, just healing the gut or people use fasting to heal the gut. Like there's all sorts of things. NSNG, I always say is just like kind of the the platform of like the jumping out, like you can't go backwards from that. Once you cut out the processed foods, like that's the platform. And for people who have done it lost, I mean, 150, 200 pounds that people have lost so much weight when they gained it all back. That's when I know too, there's also the emotional component of, yeah, you know, the physical actions to take, but if you don't take care of the emotional and belief system component, you're going to go right back to it. So there's that, that's that, and that's a whole other, we could do a whole other hour on just like beliefs and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and that stuff and part of the journey, which is why I always try to be really open with what I'm going through. Cause if it helps somebody, I'm just a regular mom trying to figure this out. Like everybody else, mm -hmm, I just mm -hmm. happen to write recipes that hopefully folks can eat and a wide oh, variety so of things. You know? No, it sounds like you've nailed it. And it sounds like you're providing, um, a framework for people to look at their whole diet and to be able to support their family or themselves. And, you know, that's, I think that that's great. It's a gift. And um, so you should be proud of that. Oh, thank you. That. You should. You know, I'll, I'll just say that there's only one thing that really bothers me in with the sugar now. Um, it's like a random thing, but they put it in dog treats and dog food. What dog will say no to any treat that you give them? Like, do you have to create, like, do you have to add sugar and salt and all of that stuff to entice? To the pet food business. Yes. I mean, it makes me furious. You go to even Trader Joe's, they have only one, I found, sorry, Garbage. two dog treats that do not have sugar in it. And I look at my dog seriously will eat anything. Like when I'm prepping dinner, and I'm cutting vegetables. My dog eats every vegetable I throw on the floor, like everything. all the ends, everything. I buy a bag of baby carrots for treats for him. I don't mm -hmm. even buy dog treats anymore because yeah. why do I need to give my dog sugar? Please explain that to me because I need him to be addicted don't. to sugar. So he's addicted to treats. All dogs are addicted to treats. <laughs> you just say treat or cookie, they, they come they running. Just, they'll eat until they throw up. Yeah, so I you have to monitor what you give your dog. Like, right, uh, right. Oh my god, I bust my dog out in the yard or doing some eating something. Like, great. What are you going to be vomiting or diarrheaing in about six hours? What are you eating? <laughs> like, what is it? Some so dead like, animal. So we'll have to lizard. create a dog treat together because that's I, my I, big. I, beef. I'm furious. I'm I am absolutely furious with the dog food industry and the mislabeling that happens with human food happens with dog. The, the whole grain free movement. And then you look on the thing and it has cassava flour and and other kinds of very starchy tubers that you're like, well, this is going to make their fur and skin have the rashes just as bad as the other stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. It drives me crazy, but I, I have gone down that rabbit hole of feeding my dog, basically a, a, a completely grain free food where the only starch is sweet potato, hmm. but it took a little while to get to that point. And her being, Itchy, itchy, scratchy, scratchy, hair falling out, which she's an Italian greyhound. She didn't have a lot of fur to begin with. Mm, <laughs> so when it falls out, she dogs. looks even more bald. Oh. <laughs> poor pooch. Yeah, poor pooch. Oh, that that might be your next thing. Who knows? I know. Miss creator that you are. I don't know. I'd like, I, I need another thing. Like I need a whole. <laughs> that's true. That's true. All right. We'll just give them baby carrots. You're off duty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but happy to sponsor a good dog, be a, be a dog food sponsor. Maybe that's what I should look at. Yeah. See, we just keep and talking. Listen, you can pour, eat happy kitchen sauce on your dog's food. Your dog's happy. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Everybody's happy. Everyone gets a nice gravy for dinner. Right. Right. And dip that carrot in their hair. Have a little, yeah, exactly. uh, have a little, have a little marinara. Little a little Over. tomato, tomato yeah. and basil. <laughs> that's where it is. Tomato, basil, marinara. 
Uh, Anna, you're amazing. Thank you so much for you're this. You're amazing. Thank, Thank you for you. having me. This is so much fun. Yeah. I, I just wanted people to just feel who you are as a whole. I've been uh, honored to share a stage with you for for a long time now with our with our um our podcasting room on Clubhouse. Right. And I just fun. Yeah, I just feel like there's so many facets to you that people needed to learn about. And uh, the new the new season of my podcast is about creators and innovators. And, and that's exactly what you are, like a thousand percent. So well, thank um, you for having me. I really am honored to be on it. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for coming on it. And uh, you can catch us on Mondays together in Clubhouse. Uh, we have right. a, a recurring theme going on with the sometimes it's the psychology of entrepreneurship and sometimes it's start a podcast we don't know what our friend ronsley vaz will pull out but we don't know he just puts us on the calendar and we show up it's a perfect because that's how much we love ronsley absolutely absolutely yeah. so catch us there and i would be remiss if i didn't give you an opportunity to share all of the places and things how they find you well, uh, yes, AnnaVicino.com is where all my recipes are. I have meal plan, uh, a 31-day meal plan there and free recipes, tons of free recipes, like I said. I, I like keeping a lot of content up for free because I, I'm a big fan of the try before you buy. The only things that I'm selling are the, are my books and, and my sauces. So I, I, I don't have some giant, you're not going to go down some rabbit hole of spending a ton of money. Um, so I, I really... I, I have a Facebook group that's very active, the Eat Happy Facebook group, and people are sharing recipe ideas there all the time. A lot of great cooks and my admins in there are like whizzes in the kitchen. So if anybody feels bored, with like, oh, I went low carb or keto and now I'm bored, I don't know what to make, go join my Facebook group because there's 8,000 people in there posting recipes, it's awesome. I do all, all of my recipe testing, I put on my Instagram, Anna Vicino. I know I'm supposed to have like a business Instagram, but I don't, it's like me. I just, I'm, I'm selling me. You know what I mean? It's, it's a personal me. brand. It's a personal brand. And I, and it personally means a lot to me. Eathappykitchen.com is where you get the sauces and eventually where you'll get the spices. We've been going through the ringer, learning how to launch a food brand and, and all the things that it takes to get certified organic and all that stuff. That's very important to me because like you said, the food manufacturing, I want to be a, a, a part of the solution, not part of the problem. And uh, it would be my dream one day to just have, you know, a lot of farmers out there growing organic tomatoes because they got to make the sauce for eat happy kitchen. You know, I want to, I want to, I want to have a lot of fields in play. Let's put it that way. So yeah, Instagram, Facebook, ever heard of them? I'm on those. So <laughs> join me. I respond to almost every email. I respond, I respond to stuff. I, I, I want to hear from people. Um, if you write me that you have a terrible disease, I will write you back that I support you, but I don't, I'm not going to have medical advice. I get every day. Somebody writes me about a disease. And so, I, uh, but I will write you back and tell you how much I love you. And I hope you get better. Well, that's perfection. I mean, I think we need to know what, what we are and what we aren't. So Anna is not a doctor. Do yeah. not ask her for medical advice, but <laughs> she's somebody who advice. cares, right? She's somebody who cares a lot about health and she cares a lot about the products she produces. So reach out to her if you want to talk about recipes and you want to see what her latest and greatest uh, thing is happening in the kitchen and follow her so you can order not just her sauces but her soon to be launched spices yay thank you for coming on culture factor thank you it's really nice having you thanks hon all right everybody go to go online order now